Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. We just got to get better every night. You know, we, we got to come out with an edge to be great every night, to do it as a team. And, uh, you know, we know that there's going to be some tough stretches at, at times, but we're going to cut them short. And, you know, and we learn from every game. We learn, we're learn. we still learning how to find our, our groove together. You know, every night every night is a, is a different challenge for us to get better. That's Rudy Gobert after the Jazz beat the Grizzlies. They're learning the groove? Exactly. Hey, he needs to learn to shake his groove thing. Yuck. 720. Let's hear it, huh? It's a musical Monday, and we need to certainly moon the, uh, mourn the death of Juice World. That we do. Lucid Dreams. It was a hit. Only 21 with Juice World. Do you believe that? Very young. I think he actually knows who we're talking about. Yeah, it's Rapper Digest Fest. It doesn't have media. the O in the world, though. I don't get it. It doesn't matter now, I guess. Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. The Thunder going back-to-back. This is one of the friendlier stretches in the schedule, PK. Time to pile up some victories. This is a friendly, you say? It's a friendly stretch in the schedule. These games Both don't count? Hostile. They do count. Oh, Stay away from the soccer lingo. How do I? It's the world sport. I can't. No. It counts. It very much counts tonight. And the Thunder going back to back, and the Jazz are at home and rested. So, as Carl Malone used to say, no excuses when we put on this uniform. 7 o'clock tonight, Vivint Smart Home Arena. Pre-game at 6 here on The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Anthony Davis, there's that little jumper. It's a season high, and he keeps adding to it. Very special to do something like that in front of this, these great fans um, with a historical franchise and my teammates, especially the way we've been playing. Um, it was nothing but you know, amazing. It's Anthony Davis after he scored 50 points, and the Lakers beat the Wolves 142-125. to 125. Lakers won, Clippers two. The Clippers also won. They beat the Wizards pretty easily, 135-119. So, Lakers won, Clippers two, All-LA Western Conference Final. Can anybody in the West upset it now as the Clippers are now, after the weekend, a half game in front of the Magic, uh, the Mavericks and a game up on the Rockets. They passed them, despite the fact they haven't had a lot of their guys here. Who hasn't had a lot of their guys? The Clippers. They had guys out. Kawhi Leonard's taking some games off. Paul George was obviously hurt at the start of the year. But nonetheless, here they sit in second place. Good. Second place? What the hell does that get you? Well, if the <laughs> Lakers and Clippers are the top two, I might irritate the rest of the West to have both L.A. teams just buying up stars and being really good. The Thunder, I mentioned the Jazz were playing them. Uh, the Thunder had uh, had a 12-point win over the Blazers. So uh, they're coming in on a uh, on a win, on a high note. They're a couple games under 500. they They're in a playoff spot here. The West not looking quite as solid through the middle. They're under 500 and yet in a playoff spot. Hmm. Usually that's something we reserve for Eastern Conference teams, but that's how it looks in the West right now. The Nuggets nightmare uh, Eastern road trip. It's not that it's a long one, but it... 
hasn't been particularly successful here. They've lost two or three on the trip, and they have uh, lost four of the last five games. Fire them all. Fire them all. Even the Joker. I love Let's start with him. <laughs> Any interest in acquiring Kevin Love with your ball club? What do I have to give up? Three years, $90 million left on his deal. Cavs want draft assets or young talent. What do I have to give up? <laughs> draft assets or young talent. Again, uh, so I give up 10 second-round picks, I'm in. <laughs> I have to give up first-round picks, I think twice. So, again, what do I have to give up? DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State needed OT. Fresno with a dramatic buzzer-beating three to force the extra session. But then the Aggies take over. 25th-ranked Utah State improved to 9-1 over the weekend. Sam Merrill, 24 points. Who's going to battle with them in the Mountain West? Who do you like? I haven't paid attention. My guess would be San Diego State. BYU thrashing UNLV. My guess not UNLV. 83-50, the final score. The Cougars just lighten the Rebels up at the Vivint Smart Home Arena on Saturday. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. I don't know if I was really surprised or not. I think all year I've let the process work. I have great respect for uh, folks in that committee. Some are personal friends of mine. I know how hard they work. I noticed that we were one spot away, and you know that just shows you how close we are as a program. You know, we've won the South two years in a row. We were living in the in the top ten for the last uh, three or four weeks. So we know, you know, that we're that we're this close to, to reaching uh, all our goals. But again, I think the chance to go out and, and, and win a twelfth game, pulling off a, a nine win season last year in our ninth season in the Pac-12. There is a lot to be really excited about. Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. The Utes missing out on the New Year's Six Bowl. Penn State passed the Utes, got to the 10th spot, and got the spot in the Cotton Bowl against Memphis. The Utes are 11 headed to the Alamo Bowl. PK, do you find any room for much disappointment over that news when you were in Santa Clara feeling the disappointment over the Pac-12 title game itself? No, I think the Cotton Bowl would have been disappointing too. So, I mean, I talked to Mark Harlan Friday night and we both agreed that it was most likely the, the Alamo Bowl. Not that I had any say in it. I mean, he just told me that's what it was going to be. I made my reservations to the Alamo Bowl in the third quarter. Before you talked to Mark, you already had an idea. Yeah, well, I got online. I saw there was one seat at the want-to-get-away price left. Sweet. So I made it. <laughs> Saved the company about 300 bucks in the process. There you go. Because I figured that's the way it was going to be. I, me personally, I don't think there's any difference between the Alamo and the Cotton. What's the difference? I, I just don't see it. The Cotton is some created. It's The bowl isn't created, but this New Year's Day 6 thing is like trophies in junior high. What's the, the huge difference is that they had an opportunity to possibly get in the playoff, and they played their worst game of the season. That That's what, that's that's what stings. 99.9% yeah. of the story. And, and the surprising thing, to me anyway, probably a lot of folk, is that they literally lost it in the trenches. I mean, there was some misnomer that Oregon was a passing team. I just never bought that. I told you before that, that the weather was going to have zero effect. And they can run the ball, and that's exactly what happened. They 239 ran. yards. Verdell shocking for over 200 yards, yeah. And it's they a got huge beat. total. It is, absolutely. And they got beat up front. 
and I didn't expect. Maybe you can lose the game up front a little bit, you know. They have some plays, but I think to the extent in which they lost the game up front was really a big-time surprise to me and a lot of folks. Not only did they have the ball run on them, but Moss got hit in the backfield multiple times, and Hundley was under pressure when he dropped back. It was just complete. It's not like, well, we were pretty good at this, but this over here gave us a problem. And they, they had problems run blocking and pass blocking. Yeah, and Kyle always speaks about that. If you get beat up front, that's the worst way. You know, the SC loss, you didn't get beat up front. They got a couple plays over the top is how you lost it. Here, you got beat. You got, you got thoroughly beat in the manner that Kyle wants to win and hates to lose. And that's exactly what happened. You know, you look at the Devils beating Oregon. Oregon got beat over the top. So somehow that doesn't seem as manly. Some doesn't seem as tough. Doesn't seem as Whittingham-ish. But then on the opening drive, you got, it looks promising. You're across midfield. You're inside their 40. You got a third and one. You got a fourth and one. And Moss is getting hit in the backfield. Yeah. And right from the get-go. They couldn't gain yards, literally, when they needed them on those fourth downs. Moss had 100 yards rushing. Had two big runs. Right. 42-yarder, the 33-yarder. There's 75 of them. And the rest of the time, averaging a couple yards a carry. Yeah. Not able to sustain drives on the ground the way you'd expect. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Hashtag college football. College football playoff is set. Oklahoma needed OT, but they got their PK, and now they get LSU in the Peach Bowl. Clemson is actually a slight favorite over Ohio State, even though they're the three seed in the Fiesta Bowl. Think Oklahoma's going to be able to hang with LSU? Or no. was four always? There's three teams on one tier, and then whoever the fourth team was was always going to be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, LSU just dismantled Georgia for sure. They look like, uh, you know, look like to me that it's probably going to be Ohio State and LSU. And, uh, that, that matchup. But, so that, that's the way I would go. Undefeated Big Ten versus undefeated SEC. And I would be a few people getting behind that if that's the way that plays out. Cougars to Hawaii. Chris, uh, Christmas Eve against a UH team that'll be looking for their 10th win on the year. They hung there with Boise State for a while, and then the Broncos pull away and win 31 to 10. One of the better UH teams, though. Hawaii much better than they've been in the past. Good old UH. Utah State and Kent State. It's going to be a handful of people in Frisco for that one, you'd think? A handful? A handful. Sure, but it's not about the people in the stands. About the young kids getting another chance to play a football game. Aggies going for win number eight. What Kent difference State does it make how many people are in the stands? Who cares? Well, I mean, you were at the Cotton Bowl, right? I mean, you like a little bit of an atmosphere. It's about the kids, though, getting a chance to play another football game. I'm, I'm going to mock it because they're going to have low attendance. Who gives a crap? Weber State and Montana Friday night chance for a rematch here. Weber State's only big sky loss was up at Montana and the Grizzlies got him pretty good. That was a blowout. So, Weber State now with a chance to get a little revenge in the quarterfinals. Friday night, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. New coaching hires, Lane Kiffin's back in the SEC, baby, at Ole Miss. 
And Georgia's O-line coach got the Arkansas job, and Appalachian State had a great year, and their coach gets hired away by Missouri. The carousel carries on. Waiting for, uh, waiting for coaches to land in the Mountain West Conference now with a third of the jobs open in that league. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. High snap. Wisnowski got it down. Robbie Gold's kick is good. Robbie Gold beats the New Orleans Saints at the gun. Brady, a long count here. Trying to give a hand signal to Edelman. Takes the snap. Chief spring pressure. Left side throw. It is broken up in the end zone. Broken up in the end zone. A quarter route to Edelman. Knocked down by Brashad Breeland. Five yards deep in the end zone. The Chiefs hold on downs at the five-yard line. Chiefs beat the Patriots. Battle of division leaders. AFC title game rematch. New England almost coming up with a big rally. Their fans booing as the 21-game home win streak gets broken. They were furious at halftime. That went over pretty well. And the refs messing up a couple of plays. And New England coming up just short. It hasn't been a glorious second half of the season here for New England, especially for their offense. You buying them in the playoffs, giving Belichick and Brady time to work their magic still? Or do you feel like it's just a matter of time till they get beat in the AFC this year? We might even have an AFC title game without them. Yeah, they don't seem to have the talent. Obviously, Gronkowski isn't there, so I'm not going to rule them out. But the regular season is showing there's some slippage. The team that keeps looking awesome here is the Baltimore Ravens. They have the uh, they have the grip on the one seed in the AFC. They beat the Bills, and they have uh, and you got to do it again in the playoffs. But in the regular season, the list of teams they've taken down is impressive. Three division leaders, two or three wild card teams, depending on how it shakes out. They just got the Bills. They've already got the Patriots, the Texans, the Niners, the Seahawks, uh, the Ravens. Awesome record and beating some of the best on the way to it. You also heard the end of uh, Niners Saints, 48-46. That was a track meet. Nine touchdown passes. It's like watching a college football game. That was way more wide open than most NFL games. Who cares about that? What did Taysom do? He contributed. Catch, a run, a block, something, anything. Do we need to institute a Taysom Hill watch each week for you, PK? Well, I don't understand. When he does something, the Twitter world goes nuts. Meanwhile, the... Ansa has a great play. You don't hear anything about it. <laughs> Good point. Jason Hill, five carries for 13 yards. He had a seven-yard run. Beautiful, man, the way he maneuvered that body of his. Unbelievable. Saints hurt by pass interference again on a long touchdown pass. Their, their defender got tugged to the ground. They got to be getting tired of being on the wrong end of bad pass interference. No calls. tugged to the ground. Yeah. Worst fake punt ever was your uh, sister at the Steelers-Cardinals game. Eight minutes left, Steelers up by 10, and they fake a punt in their own end of the field and just came up about 14 yards short. Two guys came in and just crushed the punter. That never had a chance. I think the worst one I saw was up in Boise with BYU. I'm with you on that one. Monday Night Football, Giants and Eagles tonight. If the Eagles win this, they tie the Cowboys for first place at 6-7 and seven in the NFC East. Four games left, and it's all inside the division now, including two with the uh, Giants. So it's really setting up for the Eagles here. See if they make a mess of it or if they 
get the win that they ought to get. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network, is going to join us next. Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoman. And NewsOK.com with Oklahoma getting into the playoff and the Thunder here to face the Jazz. Why not reconnect with Barry again? We'll talk with him coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Coach Lou is in the house. Before we preview the, the games this weekend, we had a, a listener tweet in a question for you. He wants to know, where would you rank Kyle Whittingham next to Kyle Willingham and Ty Whittingham? I think it's a really great question because I think Willingham really got a raw deal for all those years and then finally Utah showed that he could be something great and he's turned that team into something great. So I don't think there's any doubt that Kyle Willingham is easily one of the best coaches in the entire country and I think Washington made a big mistake and now their coach just quit on him. I think it's absolute karma. Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. Well, PK, yeah. you feel bad for the Pac-12? No. Oh, okay. Why? Nobody in the playoff, only one team in the well, it's, New Year's Six. I said this on TV last night. Don't the, play yeah, the, a big Auburn, game at the start of the year. Oregon would be in if they played Baylor's non-conference schedule. You don't think Oklahoma would have jumped them? No. I think they would have jumped Utah. But then I, I don't think, but it's just guessing. I don't think that uh, Oregon would have. I think Oregon's got a bigger brand name and uh, nobody in the country wants to not see Oregon, all that stuff that was out there last week. And I think all that matters. Every little thing matters. So They would have been splitting hairs. Yeah. And particularly the way Oregon, that was an impressive win. And Oklahoma needed overtime. So we always felt all along that Oregon had the better chance. I mean, until they lost to the Devils, they were ahead of the Utes. So, no, I I think it's, to me, it's more about the system that we have as opposed to the Pac-12. Four spots for five conferences, and a conference champ is always going to get left out. Unless two do, which has happened. Right, so I, I think that's times, the yeah. bigger issue rather than the conference, and it's easy to the, the Pac-12 has become like the punching bag for the NCA, the NCA. Which so you can you can crack on the NCA, these national folks, and you're not really cracking on anybody individually. So it's easy to crack on the Pac-12, and you can be tough guy without having a criticized a singular person. And Larry Scott gets dumped on, but you know he's nobody cares about Larry Scott and. He can't do anything to you. So you can be tough guy and just uh, you know, be, oh, you're so critical. And, but it's more about the system than anything else. But, I, I mean, I think the local story here is the Utes not winning the ball game, not the Pac-12. How much was the Utes playing bad and how much was Oregon played their best game since USC? Kind of 
Yeah. Unexpectedly. I mean, they had three games in a row, which you could rationalize the first one away. They knew they were better than Arizona. And they won by a wide margin, even though they didn't look that good doing it. It was a letdown game after SC, and they won big. So what? But then when they lost ASU and struggled against Oregon State, you look like, well, these guys are tailing off. Well, I think there's two things involved here is that it is a conference game and conference teams. They're tough. Conference games, they know you. They recruited a lot of the same players, blah, blah, blah. The Devils got guys, too, and they got it going for one particular game. Good on them. And then Oregon State's a rivalry game, obviously. We've seen things happen a million times over in those situations. So I didn't necessarily put all that much stock into that. Oh, this team is that bad. But certainly they played extremely well. Their guys up front won the battle where it needs to be won, and that's on the interior and, they did, and the Utes, uh, obviously, they picked a bad time to play one of their, if not the worst game they've had in a good while. And you, you crack on them all you want. They did not play well. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. They got beat where they normally don't get beat, and that was the big surprise. I mean, does it take away from their season? Yeah, to an extent. Does it mean they're garbage? No, certainly not. 11 wins. Now we'll see if they get number 12 against Texas. Question of the morning up on our Facebook page. Did your football exceed or fail to meet expectations this season? Scott Slater, I think all three failed. Utah State's goal was at least nine games to win. BYU had to beat Utah, and Utah had to win the Pac-12. Utah still had a great year, though, and it's now onto the Bulls in basketball. I don't know that they failed, though. Was Utah had to win the conference or else it was a fail? That's an extremely high standard. It is. And I think normally it would be unrealistic, but I think that was everybody's goal this year because of so many seniors. Sure. Because of the fact that they'd been in the conference title game and lost on a kind of a bizarro, fluky touchdown. They lost because they didn't play well enough. They didn't lose on a bizarro, fluky touchdown. They lost because they didn't play well enough to beat Washington. That's why they lost. Well, I think both things are true. They didn't get blown out is the point. It didn't look like they were that far away from being the best team in the conference. And with a bunch of guys coming back, that was the goal. And they didn't get there. But it's weird to rip an 11-2 and season. They don't come around that often. No. They failed to achieve their ultimate goal. I understand that. That's fine. Brett says, I would, of course, love 11-2 and two if it presented to me at the beginning of the season, but uh, I'm still really disappointed after that game Friday night. Go Utes. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. You should be disappointed. You should be wildly disappointed. DJ and PK, it's time to talk Utes now with Frank Dolce, our Utah insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get an iPhone 11. On us when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Frank, is it a good morning? Or are you still still moaning and groaning because that game Friday night sucked? Oh, yeah, I'm not moaning and groaning. I mean, it's certainly disappointing. And I think the, the worst thing about it is how far you drop. I mean, you go from this college football playoff slash Rose Bowl scenario to the Alamo Bowl, 
which doesn't seem like – I mean, it's a great bowl game and everything, and I like the opponent, but it just doesn't seem to fit in the same atmosphere as uh, as everything else that was possible. So, yeah, super dis- super disappointing, but it's still a good morning. Um, you know, Utah just picked a really bad time to play, you know, maybe their worst game of the year. Yeah, how surprising was it? that things didn't work out in the trenches because that is something that Utah has been known for and certainly something that it's basically owned this season because even in the USC loss, you can't say really they got beat up front. Obviously, they got beat over the top in that particular loss. Yeah, the, the, that being being beaten up in the trenches like that I thought was surprising, um, especially that... <laughs> Utah's defensive line has been so good and, and so dominant in lots of ways, and their front seven, for that matter, has been so good um, to, to get gas that way in the running game. That was, that was surprising. And Oregon just attacked. I mean, they just attacked Utah. And they were, the, they were really the, the only team all year that was committed to the run game. Utah would get other teams out of the run game early, and then, and then they never went back to it, it felt like. And, and this time, you know, Oregon had some success, and then they just kept after it. You know, they were really committed to running the football, and obviously that was a thing. There were, there, those were the, there were three things in that game I thought that were really telling. One is that, that running, that rushing yardage for Oregon, the inability to stop the run, that was, that was really difficult. And then, the, then the nine, there were nine tackles for loss by Oregon in that game. That's, that's another thing that tells you, they were disruptive at the line of scrimmage and in the back in the offensive backfield and forcing Tyler Huntley to, to run around more than we, we like to see him run around and not allowing Zach Moss to really get momentum going forward. And then, of course, the two, two turnovers are critical in that game. Um, outside of that, if you look across the other numbers, outside of the rushing yardage, tackles for loss, Turnovers. Everything else looks looks pretty similar. Time of possession is the same. Passing yard is the same. Uh, but but those three things I thought were really telling because it, it it's it's in, indicative of losing the battle at the line of scrimmage that I I just didn't think Utah would do in this game. You know, the only thing I would add to that is the 0 for 4 on fourth down, and maybe not the last one because the game was pretty much decided then anyway, but certainly the other three, I thought those were all big swings. Field position swings, emotionally they were swings. If they convert them, do the Utes go on and score, and does that change the game early on? But those were all big plays, and they all went the Ducks' way. Yeah, I thought I was under the impression, like going into it, I think I talked to you guys about it, that the only way I thought Utah would lose a game is if, is if Utah lost the game. Like they made a bunch of mistakes and and penalties and turnovers. And I, but but surprisingly, I don't think that was necessarily the case. I mean, Utah didn't give themselves a great chance. But but I also think that saying that Utah lost the game doesn't give enough credit to the way. Oregon played the game because they they played really well and they attacked. It was a great game plan and their execution was really good. And it just you know like like I keep saying, it just didn't feel like it was Utah's day. Um, so it's, it's it's disappointing. Um, made some critical mistakes in the game, but at the end of the day, I think you could probably look at that and say, well, 
you know, we, we got outplayed, and sometimes that happens. Was it a situation of this was a one-game deal, or did you see some maybe that the Utes got exposed? I think Utah would be more competitive in a, in a series of games against Oregon. Um, to say that Utah got exposed would would be to say that you so other teams couldn't figure out they couldn't you know they couldn't solve the puzzle of Utah's defensive line and the ability to run the football on the offensive side. So so I just don't think that's the case. I think that in in another scenario Utah would you know they would figure that out at the line of scrimmage or or Oregon's offensive line that really, really that good. I don't think it's the case because we watched other teams manage Oregon and, and those same teams Utah beat. So I, I would guess in the series of games that Utah would be much more competitive. And maybe it's a 50-50 with, with Oregon um, in, in a series. But, but I just thought it was an anomaly the way that Utah played at the line of scrimmage. Uh, against against the Ducks on Friday night. On the other side, you know, I I I, been, I think that Utah's offensive line has been above average this year, but it's not like an offensive line that you think, well, these guys dominate every game. And so, you know, kind of be a, more of a stalemate. Utah's offensive line against Oregon's defensive line. I think that's that's reasonable for the way they performed throughout the year. And Oregon's re- has been really good on the defensive side. I mean, they're number two in the conference in, in total defense. So. That's something, but but the surprising one, and I, the one I think would would be managed differently, uh, is at the defensive line, uh, because Utah just didn't have an answer for what Oregon was doing. Frank Dolce joined us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. You know the thing I think to kind of build off PK's point here is that. The Utes are 11 and 0 against the teams that are 7 and 5 or worse. They are 0 and 2 against the teams who are 8 and 4 or better. To beat the best teams, you know, they've gone a long way with, hey, we'll take two and three star guys and uh, you overlook stuff about them and we'll build them up. And they've gone a long way in one games like that. But I wonder how many times you can beat other elite, you know, top five, 10 or 15 teams, whatever it is, without your fair share of those four star guys that the other guys probably have too. Because their four star guys have been developed and have been coached up and are highly motivated. In some games, you know, one or two of those things are missing, and the Utes, you know, there's a reason Kyle keeps winning nine games every year. But if you're really going to get to the level you want, do you need a, fo- a few more of the best of the best, well-coached and motivated and all that stuff? Well, that stat certainly doesn't, doesn't bode well for Utah in terms of the win-loss versus teams with, with more wins. So I – that's it's really interesting, and and the mark of a of a really good team is the ability to win those to win those games. So you could look at Utah's schedule and say, you know, that well they feasted on teams that weren't very good, but but you know, Oregon lost to to one of those teams. Um, Washington lost to a couple of those teams. So I I, I don't know. I still think this is a <laughs> This is a really, really good Utah football team, and I think they'd be really competitive in matchups with, you know, a lot of the the top ten, top fifteen, top twenty five teams. Um, but I do. I also think, you know, PK, we were talking about a week ago. Is this one of the 
you know, it, it's 2004, 2008, does this team measure up? I don't know. I, I don't know if they do anymore. I'd, I'd have to go back and study that uh, just because of that kind of the, the record against winning teams um, and Utah's inability to get over those, get over the top of those teams. So it's a good point, DJ, about about talent and depth of talent. Uh, and I think Utah's depth of talent is really good, but maybe there's a point to be made. I mean, the USC's and the organs of the world still get the best talent in the Pac-12, and maybe that depth of talent in a game like that is the thing that makes a difference. Well, the good news, Frank, is that Texas is 7-5, and five, and if there's one thing Utah has shown this season, if you're 7-5, and five, they can beat you. <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, I... I'm I'm happy about that matchup. I don't I don't know if it's just the name or or what, but Texas Texas feels like a pretty good bowl game. Um, and by the way, that I, I you know I, I kind of disparaged the Alamo Bowl earlier. I didn't mean I don't I don't mean to do that. It was just the Alamo Bowl is a great bowl game, but relative to where Utah thought they were headed and where we thought Utah was headed, it feels like an enormous step. And so, uh, but I but I think that's a great matchup, and I love the history of Texas. I love where that program is headed. I think Texas is going to be really good um, uh, as the years roll on. Uh, dynamic quarterback, and they're pretty good at the line of scrimmage, but very, very beatable team. And, and I think it's a great matchup uh, for, for Utah at the end of December. So we'll, we'll get excited about that one, and, and I think that's a great matchup. Frank, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, and we will uh, talk to you again as the bowl game gets closer. Absolutely. It's great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Frank Dolce, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is this a doldrums Monday because the Utes lost? Yes. Are we hanging around? Is there nothing to do but frown? (laughs) Sing it. (laughs) Rainy days and Mondays always get you down. Rainy days and... Pac-12 championship losses? Yes. Hopes were high, and they were dashed completely and totally. Ayud's down today? Are you just disappointed, depressed, furious? How are you hanging on? Where are you? What is your emotion if you're a Ute fan? Ryan is on our Facebook page. I am really bummed about that loss. I can't help thinking about what could have been. That said, all you Ute fans saying Kyle isn't the guy. What? It's still 11-2 on the air. It's still a successful season. But I'm really disappointed it didn't end in the Rose Bowl. It was right there for the taking. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And is it Cougar fans? Is that it? And the Ute fans, you have to deal with Cougar fans getting under your skin because they were coming out of the proverbial woodwork. For Cougar fans, is the best moment of your season beating Boise or seeing Utah lose in the Pac-12 championship game? Which is it? Let's hear from you, Cougar fans. Is there anything else it could be? Taking down the Broncos' undefeated season pretty good. That's what it's got to be, right? I guess maybe some SC? could be stomping. Uh, Beating SC in overtime at home? And in Utah State. You feeling like a poll question? Yeah. We'll throw it out there. Yeah, let's people. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Let's do it. All right. We need to pick me up. Nothing like a little poll question. Get you feeling better. Yeah. I like it.
Let's go. Let's go to the phones, 855-340-ZONE. Alan, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, um, I, I, I know that the, the game was lost and won on the line of scrimmage, but I'm just curious what you guys thought of, you know, when, when it was the third quarter and they, they finally got a, you know, got a score, seemed like they had a little bit of momentum going. They, Oregon had just blown that uh, snap right past Herbert and, you know, had to punt from the goal from the end zone. And Utah got that ball, you know, had the drive going, got about to the 50-yard line or so. It kind of stalled out, and they went for it on fourth down with, like, if I remember right, six or seven minutes left in the third quarter. And I was kind of stunned by that, that the fact that, that he was going for it at midfield. You know, obviously they didn't get it. They ended up getting another score out of that on a short field. I'm just wondering how you felt about that, how maybe that was a little bit of a momentum killer as well. Well, I think the fourth down stops were absolutely momentum killers, but I think they were having such problems stopping Oregon that when you get a chance to go score and you've just scored and you have a little momentum, just uh, trying to get back in the kinda game, to, roll the dice, be aggressive, try to make a play. And then I, late, I guess I could see that later on. They did jump. punt on a late drive, and I know some people were going nuts about that. But man, by the time you're over, I think they were 0 three on fourth down when they punted. And at that point, I figured he figured, well, we're not we're not getting these short yardage. We're getting beat at the line of scrimmage. Let's pay for, play for some field position to hold them. And they didn't. So that the Oregon went and ran had the 70 yard touchdown run. So there were no good answers. They couldn't convert on fourth down, and they couldn't stop Oregon and. The Ducks were Thanks for the call, Big Al. I don't have any problem with teams being aggressive because I don't think it was a careless re- aggressiveness. It's not like you were at your 20. You know, you were at midfield. The, obviously, it was a good posi- field position for Oregon, but it literally wasn't scoring position, as we would say in baseball. You still needed some plays to get yourselves into scoring position. The stunner was the complete ineptitude on fourth and short. That was the shocker. And Andy Ludwig has been brilliant all season, but it seemed like uh, at that point you're knocking your head against the wall and expecting somehow you're going to get a different result because you weren't getting different results at that point, which is what was mystifying to me. So maybe change the play call. But, you know, you're nitpicking because it didn't work. I understand that. Well, their, their first fourth and one they ran Moss. The second fourth and run they tried the QB run game with Huntley. And on the third fourth and one they threw it. So he did try some different things. Uh, yeah, a run's a run in my mind. All right, DJ and PK, we'll get the poll question up. What was the highlight of the BYU football season? Beating Boise State, beating USC, NOT, routing Utah State, or watching the Utes lose to Oregon? Go to Twitter, David DJ James. Vote on that. We'll tell you all about that next. Barry Trammell, columnist for the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com, will join us to talk jazz and thunder and centers in the playoffs coming up at 8.30. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Tis the season for dressing up. Visit Mr. Mac today and get suited up. Come join Scotty and Hands Wednesday, December 11th from noon to 3, 5690 South Redwood Road in Taylorsville. 
All right, let's go to the phones. We got Utes and Cougars standing by. We got the poll question up. What was the highlight of the BYU football season? What do you think? Tex Ute just said, only losing to Utah by 18 points <laughs> with a smiling, winking emoji. Tex Ute, you're going home. Austin's on the phone. Austin, good morning. Good morning. How are you both doing? Good, doing Austin. well, Austin. What's on your mind? Right. Well, I just had a little experience to share while I was thinking about this. So I'm a teacher, and uh, I enjoy playing basketball with my students at recess sometimes. And when I play with them, uh, you know, they all act like I'm an all-star, but that's because I'm twice their size. You know, when, when I play against adults, it's embarrassing. I'm not, a, I'm not a basketball player at all, but, you know, when I play with these students at recess, they're like, oh, you're so good because I'm so much bigger than them and, you know, all the years of experience, even though I'm not very good. But so... Are the Utes really that good? I mean, if we look at the teams they've played, and they didn't do well against teams that were better. I mean, they beat all the low teams, but, I mean, even BYU beat more ranked teams than they did. So are they really that good, or is it just the people they played this year? Well, I think if you you win 11 games, you're good. Now, if you want to go, are you really that good, uh, that gives yourself a little room to... I guess it depends on how good you thought they were. You know, good enough to win the Pac-12 and go to the Rose Bowl? No, they weren't that good. It wasn't close against Oregon. So I guess it's yeah. how you want to define really that good. Thanks for the call. But see, is Oregon really that good? Because they lost to ASU. You can go round and round. So I think it's more... They were really that good... Symbiotic. Blowing out Oregon and USC. Of the Pac-12. It depends on the day. Oregon wasn't really good one day, but they were really good on the right day. Yes. There's no question. They won that ball game by, maybe you can argue more than the scoreboard indicated. They won it. They beat up Utah in addition to beating them. And so Utah will forever have that situation regarding this season is that the best you beat were, what, four, seven, and five teams and hopefully five, seven, and five teams. Because I want them to see them win against Texas. At this point, absolutely, I'm going to be the biggest Ute fan out there. Let them have the nice ending to the season, as I would be Utah State and BYU, because I like their guys on their coaching staff. What can I tell you? So I want to see them win that bowl game. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be the age-old question, how good was this team? I still think when you have that many professional guys on your team, you're pretty good. They weren't pretty good Friday night. That'll be forever. So let's go to the phones and Carson. Carson, good morning. Good morning. Hey, Carson. Uh, some things I was thinking about as a Cougar fan, hats off to the youth. I would get my left pinky toe to go 11-2. and two. Um but I think highlight for the season was beating USC in overtime. Uh, at that point in the season, Toledo hadn't crushed all hopes for like a, a good season. And, you know, had they beat Toledo and, uh, who was it, USF, you know, Cougars might be learning too as well. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the call. All right. Well, certainly beating USC was a big-time highlight because – you know, for years since you've gone independence, this schedule has been road heavy with the quality teams. You haven't had a lot of teams come into your stadium outside of the Utes. And here you got a comeback game with SC, and it went at OT, and it was a glorious afternoon. And they played We Are the Champions on the scoreboard. 
on the sound system as I was down on the field just reveling in it. As a longtime Cougar fan that I am, that was a great moment. 49% of the people voting. We're a little over 100 votes, so it's early. We'll get over 500, maybe 1,000. Well, it was like two precincts reporting. Exactly. 49% are saying edging USC and OT. That is the leader. It's close for second, but Oregon 37, Utah 15 yeah. is now at 27%. And beating Boise State, the only loss for the Broncos, keeping them out of the Cotton Bowl, there was 22%. A great sense of relief that the Utes lost. Come on, admit it. 3% for routing Utah State. No one, no one thinks that's, that's the highlight. What does Sean think? Let's ask him. Sean, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. Good morning, guys. I think what the problem with the use was, they, they just got out coached. And we all knew at the beginning of the season, the two weaknesses to the Ute team was their offensive line. And, and even though Huntley had a tremendous year, he was a huge question mark coming into the game. And Oregon exposed both of those. They, by, by putting pressure on that offensive line, they put pressure on Huntley, who reverted back to his band for the three years previous. Yeah, I mean, you could say that. Thanks for the call. I, I, I don't have any problem on the out-coach thing because that happens win-lose. When you lose, you're out-coached. Yeah. When you win, you, you yeah. out-coach them. Yeah. It's never about the talent. It's never about the players on I the field. I think it's about everything. Yeah. See, I go less to the coaching thing in this because you got beat soundly, decisively, both your offensive line and your defensive line. Yeah, I go to everything. And you, and they it, say a thousand times, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Yeah, okay, and I'll so, buy that. But So I go everybody. I go everybody. And it's easier for me to go to coaching at the college level because I still have a little bit of queasiness ripping. So Huntley was exposed and Huntley's a fraud. And so here I am just cracking on a 21-year-old kid who... Well, I think when the the pressure... problem with that. When the pressure, when there are that many hurries and that many QB hits and he gets flushed that often, I don't really expect quarterbacks to have great games. And he could have had a better one. Uh, The second pick was awful. Yeah. I was standing right there on the but, sideline. But the, first, the whole way. but the first one was a real killer. Man, the game was still in the balance at that point. That was By the time he threw the second one, I didn't think they were winning. And you no, already but made the your... first one was uh, in the first half, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the it game, was still a game at that I point. I don't know it was a killer. I mean, because they were down by eight points in the middle of the third quarter. So they had rallied back to within one score. Because as bad as that pass was, the pass to Samson Nakua was absolutely brilliant. It was... Spot on. It was coverage, and he had to put it on the deep there on the he had oh, pinpoint accuracy, right, and he got it. And the good news is Nakua's Nakua. I can't say he had a complete and total breakout season, but he was a lot better as a junior than he was as a sophomore. And the great news is he's coming back for next year. Now I don't know who's going to be throwing him the passes, but I think he became outside Keithy. What's the story as from the tight end perspective? And then he got hurt. But I think Nakua had the best season of the receivers, unless I'm missing somebody. And I know Thompson has all this world, worldly potential. But You're setting Keithy aside as a tight end and uh-huh. going with the receivers. Yeah, yeah just as strictly as the, the wideout guys. I thought Nakua really stepped up this season and had a substantial improvement. And the good news is he's coming back. And he's a great quote, so it's even better news <laughs> for us. 
All right, DJ and PK, a lot of people are using the open mic. Send us stuff on the uh, on the app. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic, and Got get your, ones coming get your in takes. Right you like them, huh, Yach? Yeah. You're entertained? All right, Yach's entertained. We'll find out if you are. We will do that next. Stay with us.